and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Anna. And I'm Kayleen. And we are Entrepreneurs, a podcast about two gay idiots owning and operating their own business in the midst of end stage capitalism. Yay, Hello, everybody. welcome back. We've got a guest literally in the house today. <laughs> the first time we've recorded in person with a guest. In the so, house. Yeah. Yeah. So we got Paris in the building. Hey. Paris thought that we knew what we were doing, but <laughs> we don't. <laughs> Um, I would like to rebuttal that and say that uh, this is episode honk honk, everybody. <laughs> they say you do not know what you're doing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted to compliment yourself? <laughs> Excuse me, no. Absolutely not. So uh, this is our episode 47. Uh-huh. So we have episode 50 coming on right around for our season finale. So we have a... Um, and ask of you, dear listeners, um, we want some questions. Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel like the 50th episode is some kind of landmark. We did have our year, or like our year mark, and we mm-hmm. didn't really fanfare it much, but 50 feels like we, we like, we did a thing. We mm-hmm. showed up. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of episodes. Yeah. It's a lot. Of, Anna did a lot of editing. Mm-hmm. Uh a lot of talking. A, a lot, lot of, of talking. <laughs> a lot of guests. A um, lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, listeners in Poland. We would just like yeah. to say. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we charted in Poland brief, briefly as a top business podcast. Oh, so, right. yeah. Well, also in the United States of America, but like but consistently Poland, we Poland. got higher. <laughs> Poland, we did For a few really, weeks, we did really we, well. We did really well in Poland. So <laughs> we're just really thankful to our Polish listeners. Polish listeners especially. Nistrovi. Um So, um, hit us up on our, like, social channels or send us an email. And also, I feel like we don't talk about this enough, Kayleen, but I think it's kind of important. Y'all could leave us a review. Yes, we stopped. We kind of gave up on asking for reviews, but we shouldn't have. No. If you can give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and, a rev- and or a review, that would be really good. I think it does something. I, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> that the Apple Apple likes it when people like your podcast and Yeah, it'll express help with it. the SEO. And I also wanted to know on the SEO that so we're entrepreneurs, right? And so when we first started this podcast, you would like look up entrepreneurs and nothing would show up. You'd be like, Did you mean entrepreneurs? <laughs> no. And now if you type in entrepreneurs, all of our shit shows up. Yeah, it's yeah. all over Google. Including any TikTok that she's ever tagged on Twitter. <laughs> uh-huh. So, I am um, the defamation of have, the brand. We have uh, <laughs> we have forced Google to submit to our will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make your make up your own language. Um, yeah, make up your own words. If you use them repeatedly enough over the course of the years, some, <laughs> everyone yeah. will adapt. Yeah. But yeah, so it's cool. Um, we're also, this is an uh, exciting time because Anna is clearly in New Orleans, so we're recording in the same space before she jets off to question mark. Yeah, yeah. We're going places, so. Well, I, I don't want to, you know, I'll yeah. let you know on the next episode. All right? I don't want to give too much of myself away. Uh-huh. So we, we've already teased a few already. trips that have never happened. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's just uh, let the cards fall where they might. Yeah. So. We're, uh, it's also worth noting that today is the start of Scorpio season. Mm-hmm. So the season of justice is, an o- is over and now it's time for vengeance. Yeah. What is the tarot card for Scorpio? Death. Literally? <laughs> yes. Oh. 
I know Paris has feelings about water water seasons. <laughs> I, yeah, but I'm just like not ready for any sort of transition. I just got a hold of this. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're moving along. It's like, along. wait, Libra season's over already? Oh, I don't need any more falsehoods and quick energy. Right no. Now. None. No. No more. Yeah, no, no, no sneaky. No. I, I feel like with the eclipses, uh, it's kind of like rug pull season from what I've been gathering. And you look, del- you have like, the biggest <laughs> yes. like fucking smile. You're like, <laughs> everyone, <laughs> ooh, towers everywhere. <laughs> ooh, everyone, towers. everyone's life is going to be ruined. <laughs> it's for the greater good, Kayleen. <laughs> I'm going to stay home. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I support that. Um, I like Scorpio season. It's also ruled by Mars, so mm-hmm. like whatever, yeah. it's fine. She's an Aries, mm. so. What's your sign, Paris? I'm a Gemini. Mm. Yeah, we love Gemini's. We do. It's true. You got a nice balance in the house. <sighs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess it's time for me to pick a card. it's tarot time um we are sitting in front of a coffee table with no less than three tarot decks on it so anna which deck should i pull from let's do this one all right i'm pulling from the muses tarot oh actually you know what let's do one we've never done done this is mine i've actually never worked with this deck before this is the dancing in the dark tarot from our lord and savior uh bruce Bruce springsteen (laughs) (laughs) all right I wonder what does the boss have to say about the start of Scorpio season? Oh God! <laughs> I'll get up in the evening. <laughs> oh, it just popped out. We have the Six of Cups. All right. Interesting. Uh, that one has been haunting me for a bit. Yeah. <clears throat> it just wants you to know. Oh, the bottom is the Three of Cups. So lots of cups. Which is funny. There's three of us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Three ladies. These la- these ladies are like Stevie Nicks in it. <laughs> They're dancing. They've got, they've got fringe and everything. Um, yeah, six of cups. It's interesting. I feel like the art on this deck just like, it's just like purposefully, uh, like obtuse. <laughs> Killing hates it. I'm not, I, I, I don't buy with it. I don't. Buy, I was like, give it. Yes, girl, give us nothing. Wow. It is purposefully obtuse. Uh-huh. Six of cups. That's just the illusion of choice. Um, I, oh, I think it's great for this. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Scor- yeah. Um, I think it's very nostalgic. Yeah, it's just like, I think six of cups and four of cups are very similar in that it's a lot of contemplating. It's just kind of like being daydreamy and just like sitting and looking at all your choices, but not really doing a lot. So maybe this is a time to just kind of like chill. <laughs> That's where I said, stay home. <laughs> it's Scorpio season. Stay inside. Um, I think yeah. Six of Cups can be kind of like uh, nostalgia. I, Old people coming up. Past situations. Yeah, Six of Cups. Because I kept getting haunted by it. And then I read something in the book and it, it really reminded me of that. Yeah? Like the, the childhood nostalgia? No, not even. Just like old places, old friends, old family members. Just people you haven't yeah, seen in a long time. Ba- yeah, what's coming back? Mm-hmm. What's coming out of the woodwork? Nothing. That is also canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. <nothing. laughs> no new friends, no old friends. 
please. Yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, what's going on with... It's interesting. This is like, I'm trying to interpret the art. I'm trying to be like, what are you trying to say? Um, and it's one... It's like a flower being passed from one hand to another. So maybe it is about generational something or other. Yeah, what what generational flowers did your parents give you? Oh, no. <laughs> reject I, I'd like to reject the, that bouquet <laughs> many generations yeah oh my gosh okay yeah six of cups um I don't know I'm not vibing with it yeah do you want to pull another one Kaylee I mean, like, like I feel like she's never done this before I, I, this is the deck I tried to give you the first time yeah all right <laughs> Can I see? Just be hating on you on a tarot deck that isn't mine. <laughs> Watch us get six of cups. Oh no, my gosh. No, we're going to get seven of cups or four of cups. Now we're getting the queen of wands. Okay. <laughs> That's much more of a, a of a, yeah, of a, of a, a little bit of a, more of an entrepreneur's uh, vibe. Um, queen of wands, I actually pull a lot during wedding season. Where I'm like, I, do I have to be the queen of wands today? <laughs> do I have to show up and be in charge and have and a I vision? Say, and I say, yeah, Keeling, do your job. <laughs> That's literally That's your job. That's literally my job. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think queen of wands is uh, that, yeah, she is uh, queen of wands and six of cups. Um, she is, yeah, she's, she, uh, wands is fire. So she has action. She gets things done. Um, she has a softer touch, but she uh, kind of leads from the front, as you will. Um, she's not one to just like boss people around. She kind of does it by example. Um, I like. I really love this deck. This is the Muses Tarot. Um, it's lots of collagey kind of mixed media art, and the artist has written like. She has the guidebook for it is entirely digital. It's like a full website and she has like journal prompts and poems and like and everything for each card, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I feel uh, like the Queen of Wands would leave her Six of Cups at home. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm yes. too tired to be the Queen of Wands anymore. <laughs> She didn't, like the six, I, she didn't like the Six of Cups either. I don't know we, what you want. I, I think at this point, all I want is the Four of Swords. <laughs> so I can take a nap. Oh, my gosh. I will have you have everyone know that Paris was the very first client, tarot reading client I ever had, who, uh, after I did a year ahead spread for her, the following year was like, thank you, but I have seen enough. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I need to know what's ahead of me, <laughs> which I... Respect. <laughs> and there's no more confrontation. Yeah, you're like, I actually, I don't think I want a forecast of the next year. Yeah, why I'm ruin great. the element of surprise? I've yeah. seen, I've seen enough. It's fine. Um, well, beautiful. Yes. Anyway, all right. On to the main dish. So, set the table. We are serving the main dish. As you can. I have guessed maybe for when I said for a while, Paris and I have known each other for. I was trying to think if I met you in 2016 or 2017. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I have absolutely no idea, actually. Yeah. 
Um, it was around the time, like, yeah. So I have been go. So on the podcast today, our guest is Paris Willoughby, aka Nail Addicts. Um, and Paris and I met because Paris has been doing my nails for five, maybe six years. Yes, an amount uh, of time. An amount, <laughs> a, a a substantial amount of time. And uh, I don't know, one of the things we, Anna and I talked about when we started this podcast is how we wanted to talk about how entrepreneurship is not just this like new concept that exists only in digital spaces, that actually people have had their own businesses and have been doing their own things in the material world <laughs> for quite a while. Um, and I think, um, I don't know, as to watch like your business change and grow and evolve at, from a client's perspective has been really interesting and so you were like one of the first people that i wanted to talk to but we it took us over a year to figure out guest stuff we're it's fine (laughs) you're here now episode everybody (laughs) episode 47 ladies and gentlemen um anyway yeah so yeah i um if you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your entrepreneurship journey and then we'll kind of just go from there Oh my god! Yeah, um. it can be not just limited to nails, or it can be as yeah, yeah. So, I mean, isn't that the truth though? Like yeah. getting everybody together, coordinating <laughs> schedules. It has been this long. <laughs> um, I guess I am originally from Ohio, and mm-hmm. I started there uh, with a cosmetology license, something like fourteen years ago. Yeah. Um, and at the time you had to have like all sorts of extra licensing to be independent, like a full independent contractor's license, a full manager's license. They kind of set you up to work by yourself. Mm -hmm. So it it was a weird educational environment and that kind of just followed me through. Um, I did like five, six years of that in Ohio and then moved my entire business. Just, I mean, that's like the flexibility of it. So, um, I've been doing nails mostly this entire time, this whole like 14, 15 year period, but I do have a full cosmetology license. I've done that. I've done contracting for salons and I went back to school. So I've done like some contracting for museums. Uh, Things have kind of expanded in a way that I don't really have like a true job description anymore either so that's been yeah the other day you were like fun for y'all you were like i forget i forget what i'm listed on as in linkedin <laughs> like what, what what do i call myself yeah. in professional settings never yeah. went back and checked it no nope, that's fine. something something general contractor into yeah whatever intersectional I, I don't know yeah yeah something but that's that's kind of how it started, and it's branched to this kind of umbrella situation where, I mean, if you need it and I can figure out how to do it, it's in yeah. your business. <laughs> now, it, so. Isn't that the <laughs> the true heart of entrepreneurship? Yeah. Um, do I know how to do it? No. Can I figure it out? Yep. <laughs> Great. Google. Google. Yeah. Google and YouTube. <laughs> so what was the process like moving your, because did you have any clientele in New Orleans? Um, I had a friend who was living down here and very much in like the performance scene. They are no longer part of that. However, that was kind of like a landing space. I figured out I could transfer my license. At the very least, I could pop in at another salon and be their contractor there or an employee until I worked it out and gained enough and went back on my own. Um, But having kind of like a person 
who was on the ground already and new people in performance that were receiving the services I was offering at that time was I'm, that was everything about it. Yeah, I feel like so much of that business is word of mouth. Yeah. 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 And like, and honestly, you know, like people, you know, people ask me all the time where to get my nails done. Like, it's just a, especially if you're doing statement nails, yeah. it's a thing that people are always like proud to brag on. <laughs> it's more truthful that way too. Like, yeah. There's no, and I'm sure this has come up before, but there's no replacement to just like genuine, honest person to person marketing. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't you can't pay a sponsorship that does the same thing. right yeah 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 when so when we met you were working in a salon and now you are i've seen you open two <laughs> two solo studios in that time so what was the like process of of i think getting into the salon and how long were you there and what made you decide to just go and find your own spot so this is actually a really funny story because before I was at the salon that we met at, uh-huh. there was three, four other salons <laughs> that had happened in that time period. But the salon that we had met at uh-huh. um, was a salon that before I even moved, I had like looked it up, Googled it, emailed, called and was like, why don't you offer these services? Is it because you don't have somebody that went dead when I got here? Um, all that communication stopped and I was like not confident to just go up there and ask them. So it was from the time that I arrived here in town to the time that I was working at that salon was about two and a half years. Um, and then I was in the salon. Everything was great. It wasn't as, um, financially stable as I thought it was going to be. Um, especially in that environment. And I was just like, you know what? I could make way more than 40, 50, 55, 60%. um, And I know how to cut my costs down. So there was like a moment where like my kid was getting older and we were switching and dealing with like aftercare and getting her all over these spaces. But working for a salon, there was like a schedule. So there was just like three or four things, the financial, the time, um, And then just overall, like the respect and the stability of the space that was all of it was heavy leaning towards just just go be by yourself. And at that time, I had gathered uh, clientele from the salons previous and then I had been there for about two years. So, I mean, and once again, calling ahead helped because I knew that they didn't have anybody that was going to really replace me. So those clients that I made were honest mine. Mm-hmm. They didn't have somebody. Yeah. I love this city. <laughs> but yeah, they didn't have anybody. So those clients were mine. They didn't belong to the salon. And when I moved to a studio, I started small. Um, and then my clientele word of mouth spread from there. I needed a bigger space. I needed a more equitable space, a space that was more like ergonomic for me to be in those 12 hour days. And so, yeah, that first space, like that, that first space you were in solo didn't have any windows. I was, I was actually <laughs> Harry Potter. Just like yeah, it was like literally like a, like a closet. Like it was a narrow, it was like a long, narrow closet. It was literally under the stairs. Yeah. Like they had seen it as a utility closet and just like. You know, in New Orleans, they will just, like, make a space out of anything. So they put two walls up. It didn't hold any heat, really, or cool air. And it was maybe 100, 150 square feet. It was like a a hallway. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. No extra furniture. <laughs> yeah. And then this one, like, I have windows. It's floor access. It's a lot easier. Um, it's better space now. Yeah. More people. Ramp in there. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's a good vibe. And it was literally right across the street. So, <laughs> so good changes. you didn't have to, no one had to, uh, you didn't lose anyone because of the drive. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think also, I, I mean, I feel like maybe I'm like, I don't know if everybody necessarily knows what goes on, like what the financial slash business model is for um, a cosmetologist working in a salon. Like, like I do, but like, and I assume I kind of I'm like maybe I shouldn't assume that everyone else does. So like, if you are working in a salon as they're like a hairstylist or a nail tech or what what esthetician what have you, what is like the typical breakdown i know it's probably a little different from place to place but yeah there's like five or six different kind of breakdowns you can have you can have people on salary you can have people on hourly you can have people on commission you can have booth renters um so the booth renting thing is like they pay the actual technicians are paying the salon a specific amount of money out of their total income in order to hold space there and convene with their clients in that area. Mm-hmm. On top of just like how you make that baseline, so salary, hourly, commission, booth rent, sometimes there's a product charge or a usage fee for the space. And then you can kind of nickel and dime from there depending on what the owner of the salon wants to do financially. Um, so there is a lot of subjectivity. The law on these kinds of things is super, super sketchy. Um, So that's the other thing. So beyond how you're making your money in the space, there are rules about if you choose to leave, if you choose to take clients outside of there, what the commission changes to. Um, Yeah, it can just get very, very convoluted and it's very subjective. Mm -hmm. So did you have... Like, were you able to, like, when you left the salon and you did your own studio, were you able to take your clients or did you have to, like, pay out the salon or something like that? So... There's there's honest ways to get around it because a lot of salons, when you leave, they do not want to print you your client list because they say that they're clients of the salon. The only way that you can really cut and dry that is if these clients, while you were working there, had followed you or engaged with you on your personal social media or outside of the salon space and to make sure it's not in your contract. Like There are places in the city I know of that are very, very restricting about the movement of cosmetologists and barbers and nail techs. And then there are other places who, um, you know, you leave and you're going to open a place and your former boss wants to come to your opening and supports you and promotes you. It's, it is so person to person that it's like, it's very walking on eggshells sometimes. Yeah. Right. So now, from what I understand, you're primarily like referrals only. So how did you get there? And then what kind of marketing were you doing before? And then when were you, like, when was the time you were like, how did you grow and when did you decide to stop? (laughs) (laughs) We've talked a lot this season about scaling and what that looks like. And if everyone needs, you know, if like we have an episode literally called to scale or not to scale where we debate. Um, and then also we've talked a lot about adaptability and like your ability to pivot, um, in business. So I just like, I think that, yeah. When did you, how did you grow and when did you decide 
that's enough. <laughs> when I landed here, I like, um, I grew just based on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, that was what, uh, 13, 14. Instagram, Instagram, Instagram was heavy. Um, I immediately got with somebody who knew a lot of people, and I was like, please, for the love of God, help me do my social media because I still to this day cannot figure out my phone to save my life. And so that was really helpful. I just, I can't commit to it. I don't know why, but, um, so having somebody really helped. Uh, and then I really grew the most, I think when I was at that salon that I had kind of put out there before. And there was like a moment where I had taken a walk in and it was like this person who was visiting from Mississippi and everything was fine. It was a very long service pictures of it and everything. And then, you know, um, they like went home to Mississippi and then called and was like, everything was terrible and I want my money back. And I was like, absolutely not. And that was the moment where I literally told my boss at the time, I'm not working Saturdays anymore because it's only walk-ins in this location. And I am, um, I want to prove everybody that comes on my books because I don't, I do good work. And it's really offensive when that kind of thing happened, that it was just like, I also have enough standing business at this point through word of mouth, through developing for, at the time, I think it was like a four year period, two years there and two years other places that I was having a hard time already fitting in people who were regulars. So what do I look like making space for people who who might come in and be one time and then pushing back like bread and butter people, pushing back people who had invested their time, energy, and money into me. And I had invested my time and energy into this like networking and relationship building for like somebody I didn't know who was potentially going to like ruin my paycheck. Mm -hmm. So I think that was another thing. It didn't really like have a staggered moment. It kind of just culminated all at once. Mm -hmm. Like the pile just dumped out and it had to change in order for me to be like happy and stable and financial. It like had to change. I couldn't work for another person and like manage my own autonomy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's really the heart of it. We say, we say, we quote John Waters a lot, which is the, the, the quote, uh, uh, success means, uh, not having to work with shitty people. (laughs) assholes not having to work with assholes yes. <laughs> you can't yeah the definition of success is really getting to pick and choose who you work with so yeah that was a turning point for me like, but i mean it seems like you are still been able to grow by being referral only like mm-hmm. you still are very booked like <laughs> <laughs> well, that's from an outsider's thing. perspective no for sure and that's the best thing about it is because cool people know cool people mm-hmm. like um the, it has a lot to do with the respect thing. When it's not like a business name before your own, then people tend to respect your time. And so they don't like they don't send people who would upset me. Oh, yeah. No, I've definitely been like, hey, uh, this person <laughs> definitely is going to contact you. And I do know them, but I'm not referring them <laughs> like I yes. can't vouch for them <laughs> for them or their behavior. <laughs> like. My also rule of thumb when people are doing referrals, it's not just like, oh, I saw this person and they saw your work through me. It's very like, could you sit with them for an hour and a half and hold their hand? Because that's what you then are putting your name next to and asking me to do. Mm-hmm. So that really, really helps. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's limited the number of referrals I've sent to you. <laughs> For sure. And then it Jillian, does. basically. <laughs> <laughs> And then it does keep the space for your existing clients. And when there is space, because people don't stay forever and people transition and they change their own career paths. And so it might not be the service for them. And so sometimes there is room. So a good ask, the referrals, I mean, it's it's kind of like set now. How did you, um, so you have this like kind of baked in of like, all right, I have this process down. So what are your hours like versus like that now that you've sent them on your own and people go and then like how did your pricing structures change as well this is like ever happening (laughs) is um so my hours tend to be like Tuesday and Thursday I'm in there almost 12 hours and then Friday sometimes it's the same sometimes it's eight hours and Saturday is my half day which runs like 10 or 11 to 2 or 3, sometimes more, sometimes less um, if you need in and we have like an emergency or a change or a thing we're doing, that's fine. If I'm leaving and traveling, I might adjust it and take on more Wednesday and more Monday stuff, but I'm usually off Monday, Wednesday, Sunday, Um, and it's immensely helpful with like a teenager at home and just making sure that I'm working enough hours to cover what we need to cover, but also, like, I mean, like, self-care takes a, a big place in resting and recovery because it's it's an emotionally weighted job. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, physical, but, and also, like, you have to hold space for a lot of... There's a lot. Yeah. A lot of sharing involved. Yep. <laughs> a lot of resources, like caring mm-hmm. happening but, yeah um yeah so that's well, because yeah you're you are a resource of self-care for other people <laughs> which means that you're a receptacle for a lot true story i also have this like um immense battery i think of community resources that we're my clients and i are constantly sharing back and forth like what are you looking for what do you need mm-hmm. and having access to so many people in these concentric circles I can find excess someplace and redivert it. And so there is a good a, a good amount of like I would say mutual aid in what I do also. So, I mean, and that'll take space on some of my Sundays, Mondays and Wednesdays, just like you needed help here and so on and so forth. So the job really ex- like kind of contracts and expands based on need. And like I said, some of my clients are into performing and um I might need to go and do something outside of my normal hours for them or in conjunction with what they're doing or just like the basis of reciprocal social networking, like go and be in their space while they're creating art. Um, So while I do have like set in studio business hours, you know, the amount of hours I'm putting into my business, really Mm -hmm. exponential. Um, The pricing structure is insane, especially now. Nothing comes. It is like this late stage capitalist moment where we're having um, transportation and shipping issues. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my stuff, you know, is coming from all different port- like parts of the world. So things have adjusted more than necessary in my mind lately, but to what the structure of the economy is. So whereas I used to change my prices once a year and then that changed to twice a year, mm-hmm. especially like right before and then during the pandemic. Then I did a pandemic price freeze because everybody was in it. 
Um, and it just felt necessary. So coming out of that, the prices have adjusted and increased, but I feel like everybody has. So the shipping and all of that for the basic materials I need, and then also my time and all of my bills went up too. I feel like I'm adjusting on more of like a quarterly basis now. Mm-hmm. And then um, with the uptick in social media for like, for this like design aspect to the nails, um, that's caused me to have to adjust some things too because it's a little more intensive than it used to be. Um, I have like 15 years in and I'm doing more detailed work in less amount of time than ever before. Mm. And so there has to be some sort of price adjustment for that also. Um, So quarterly is where it's at. And then really I am usually just price tracking like around me. Like I try not to offset the market entirely with what I'm doing. I check other studio artists that I'm friends with. I check our social media groups. I am cold calling walk-in salons just to price check things and make sure that I'm on par because I never want to um, go too below or too high with what else is available while also keeping my clientele in mind. Mm -hmm. So that's been like the... Honestly, yeah, quarterly kind of seems where it's at, yeah. doesn't it? Like, and it's it sounds wild to say out loud because it's like it three months. Yeah, but like, it's like McDonald's isn't, it's, yeah, you know, raising the price of a cheeseburger every. But then all of a sudden they do. They do. Yeah. Like, oh. I was like, wait, this meal used to cost me eight dollars like two weeks ago. Now it's yeah. eleven. Um. So this is something I I work by myself and I'm like always really interested in people that like do it by themselves, especially like in a space where it's just like just you. How do how do you manage? Because <laughs> it can get like kind of lonely. And then I mean, you do have like clientele, but like how do you like what are some things you do to like kind of manage your energy? Because it's so specific, and I feel. Personally, sometimes I'm jealous of people who like get to go to the office, you know, and like are like going from like a salon and being around a lot of people. Like, do you prefer? I mean, I prefer to work alone, but I think there's also challenges, too. Yeah, um, I, I will say where I was before my previous studio, the smaller space, it was a lot more isolated because the building didn't have like a central heating or cooling system. There weren't really any common spaces. And that area was like a bunch of artists were compartmentalized. Mm. So everybody had their workspace that they like went into. Where I'm at now, um, I am the only one in my space doing my job. However, there are plenty of other people constantly using the space. Yeah, it's like a shared workspace, primarily for people who want to do like auto work or like, sh- well, like shop work. Yeah, kind of. Got, um, it's like a like, shared garage slash shop. It's yeah. really cool. With like welding and auto mechanics and carpentry and spray and so they they don't really. Um, we're not really holding space with each other a lot, but if I'm ever bored, there's um, two owners that are responsible for the leasing of the total building that I can totally go and mess with and poke and be annoying. Um, I call them my older and younger brother, respectively, because when I have issues, they respond in those ways. <laughs> um, so it's very like if if you grew up in a shop already, um, like I, I have um, then it, it just kind of feels like homey and like a family run business, even though it is not. 
to where like, yeah, I could talk to you if I want to, but you're probably really, really irritating and I'm going to go in my box for a while. But I do also have like a business manager who comes and works with me on occasion. So it's not like full time solitude. Um, And that's definitely helpful because in the previous space, that's it was overwhelming and I was definitely looking to move. Or, like, um, create a salon space with a couple other cosmetologists that I knew to resolve that. Especially because that was right after COVID. Like, I had to make the decision to move and what I was going to do. So, either go back into a salon and find some co-workers, which did not work out for me in the years previous. Or create, like, some sort of space that really worked with who I was and where I'd come from. So that helped. Yeah. How disruptive was COVID? I mean, like, I know, like, obviously, initially, it was a complete (laughs) halt. But like, like, how have you seen your clientele, besides the supply chain issues, like, um, kind of adapt and shift in the pandemic? For a while there, it was really difficult because people were moving. People were like, I hate this. I'm moving back home. I hate everybody I've ever lived with and this person I've been calling a partner and I got to go. So it was a lot of like influx and and retreat of people. Um, so it, it was a, a time really where I was taking on more clients than I had before and losing more clients. And... Um, I just realized like I was already in a good space solo studio where people felt safe and comfortable in a hygienic space and so when I was making those decisions like am I really lonely what benefits my clients what's going to keep more people I did a quick survey of some of the clients who I felt were in communities where there were more immunocompromised and asked them what would make them the more the most comfortable the most secure and I made my own adjustments from there, which is why I chose to stay studio instead of going back to a salon space. And the cosmetologist that I had been talking with before when we were considering it had kind of come to the same decision. So um, I want to say that like things changed significantly as far as how I do my business, but they really didn't in that way. And I feel like that's probably saying more about people who do my job than anything it's like if you were already operating out of a out of a an unclean and dysfunctional space it probably got worse but I I I kept it clean I do what I'm supposed to do sanitary law law wise nothing really changed um we the way that we're supposed to clean as cosmetologists is for every level of infection So um, the only thing COVID did was I think it really educated like my clientele about what those standards should look like in other spaces, because I did see I don't do pedicures. Um, It's just not a function of my space. It doesn't really work with my time. But I did hear a lot of my clients coming back to me being like, my pedicure place did this. Or like, did you know that this was happening at my wax studio or whatever? And um, so that was I think that's really the only major thing is like a lot more information came out of it. Um, And then, you know, like you said, the prices went up, but that's kind of standard. And you were able to kind of see people left, but then also. Yeah. You were able to gain people as well. It's that word of mouth thing. Nobody. I I don't feel like I've met anybody who has moved here like cold. So, you know, existing clients being like, hey, my friend, you know, uh, is moving in with me. Can she come too, or can they come too? And yeah, 
It's like a cycle of that function again. It kind of yeah. just went in a circle. Yeah, I met you through working at Lush. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. That was 16. So that must have been 16. That was 16. Yeah. When I, that person was in town. Yeah. So. Oh, well, we did it. it Solved it. <laughs> <laughs> and I also met working at Lush. Ooh. So Lush That's is the place. I literally don't even talk about it. <laughs> I think he's bringing it up, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Whatever. I hated it. Literally never. <laughs> That's the journey. Yeah. Um, all right. Shall we hop into Bro Book Review? Yeah. Bro Book Reviews. I read a bro book every week so you don't have to. Cool. What do we have? Um, we have the Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. This is an, another one off of Kayleen's bookshelf. Of Grey's Anatomy, where I was like, why is that on my yeah. bookshelf? Uh, Grey's Anatomy fame. How to dance it out, stand in the sun, and be your own person. And I, maybe, like, I think I maybe have got it from a little free library. I don't think this book taught me how to do any of these things. <laughs> um, like, I just, this is a, this is an autobiography. This is not self-help. And it is advertised as self-help. But, but here was my thing, is that it's the most mysterious autobiography I think I've ever read. Because she, it's like this, like, personal memoir in which she is also kind of trying to maintain, still maintain a level of privacy that, you shouldn't be if you're writing a memoir like she is like one of the most famous and successful women in media um but she has like three kids that and she's a solo parent she may be a she doesn't give any context as to her life before Grey's Anatomy well that's not fair yeah I was like so I spent more time trying to read between the lines of like of like her family dynamics. Yeah, she just she her... just talks a lot about work and yeah. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You were you're supposed to tell me how to dance it out, stand at the sun and be my own person, but you're talking about all of your writing contracts and like getting on planes and it's just not yeah. I it's like that's the thing about autobiographies you getting famous is the least exciting part of your story. We want the hero's journey. We right. want like yeah. Well, we no, want- this is this is not even getting famous. This is all after she was famous. It's a, a year in which she decided that she was being too negative and saying no to too many, to too many things. So she decided to say yes to every opportunity, which at that point it was just vacation. That's, that's like the most popular uh TV show. Like that was like a heyday Grey's Anatomy. Maybe you shouldn't be saying yes to everything. You seem like you're really busy. You have three TV shows. And like, like three kids. And three kids. Yeah. So what are you doing? Well, and then it, this has also been a big theme with the Bro Book Review. So anything that has been written, published, excuse me, published after 2020, it's just like. Or before I mean, 2020. Yeah, yeah. Immediately irrelevant. All the advice. Well, no. None of the advice makes sense in a post-COVID world. This is just world. like, how about you or no? You know? <laughs> yeah. like, if it was like written and like, like that, that's, that's, that's been your whole thing. Yeah. You're of no. Like, <laughs> did you hold their hand? for an hour and a half no then i don't want to talk to them <laughs> but yeah this was published in 2015 which is before trump you know yeah. what i mean this might as well be three decades old <laughs> so it's only a year 
like, like one year. Mm-hmm. It's not even like a full. No. There's some like kind of flat. There's there is I there's some context of like I yeah I felt like I just had more questions than answers. The more the things that seemed really interesting to me seemed to be like the things she did not want to talk about. Aww. Yeah. Which is Shonda. I mean, which is just like if you're gonna write a book, write a book. You know, yeah. like if you you want to spill all. It's like yeah. a journal for the year. Did y'all ever read uh, Jessica Simpson's autobiography? No. That was kind of fun. That was our that, juicy? Yeah, we found out. We She really delved into her, um, what are the, those sparkle cup alcoholic face? Oh, when oh. she hurt her, she, yeah, because she's sober now, right? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. she like really went into it and it was like, oh, and then yeah, with all of like the... Pastor Dad and, and her cliche. It, it was and yeah. It was Chicken of the Sea. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're gonna write a fucking book, write a book. You know, yeah. like anyway. But that, well, thank you once again for throwing yourself onto the sword of bro book. We both we both read this one. This, is, this one's on Kayleen's shelf. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I think Exposed. it will go return to a little free library very shortly. <laughs> I need to do a book audit. Yeah, yeah. Now that I'm here, yeah. I'm like, uh, <laughs> she's gonna be a cop. Yeah, you're like, oh. yeah. No one yeah. needs to know I own this. Yeah, well, <laughs> 2015 was a long time ago, so yeah. not even being facetious. All right, Paris. So where can people find you? Or not find you? <laughs> people can definitely find me on Instagram. It's nail addicts, but it's spelled insanely crazy. N a i l a d d i x. Um, my website is currently under revamp because I guess it's the season for that now that we've been self-prescribed. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be nailaddicts.com. It's the exact same spelling. Um, and I think that's the best way to get in contact with me. Everything else is linked there. Um, all right. You can find me at Swamp Witch with four eyes on Instagram, Candles Unincorporated. Also, uh, you know, just keeping my head above water in wedding season over at My House Events. Um, you can find the podcast at entreprequeers.podcast on Instagram or at entreprequeers.com. Um, you should also sign up for our newsletter. We this is we have been able to we have published it four weeks in a row. Wow, we have a 90% open rate. So clearly, people are into us. Um, and that is also where you're going to find out uh, more info on the 50th episode. And also, as we've been hinting, and we'll be launching soon, our coaching, coaching program. So welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the new wave uh-huh. over the hill. That's, yeah. what some, that's one of the questions. Let us hold your hand through the apocalypse. <laughs> oh my god. What's the point of being psychic if I can't guess what kind of cereal you ate this morning? <laughs> um, Alright, go ahead and find me at thefake.guru on Instagram and TikTok the.fakeguru. Yes. Um, I actually I had a very nice TikTok moment yesterday. One of my idols followed me so you can't tell me nothing right now (laughs) (laughs) um yeah other than that we keep uh keep on opening up those newsletters thanks so much y'all and have a a gay gay day day.